0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. We've got scores of graduations and so on and so forth. So half of our worn bodies are gone, but you're here, and that's the important one. I'm couple of things I want to mention, or maybe three, before we jump into the text, which starts in the 20th chapter of the book of, Reve- of, the book of Exodus. And remember that the Ten Commandments are found in the Old Testament, repeated in the 5th chapter of Deuteronomy, and, and the first time they're uh, spelled out in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. And there's a section in, in chapter 23 of Exodus we're going to look at at the outset as well. On, when you're going out if you haven't already done so we have devotionals that we want everybody to have they don't they're 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 paid for they're free they're on the right hand side going out there we have at least one per family and we're going to ask that <clears throat> we're going to encourage everybody possible now and and i'm not going to take the time to go into the why right now but we're going to encourage everybody to start having, if you don't now, at least one family meal a day and during that family meal have your devotional time. If you have children that can read, old enough to read, let them participate by reading and and the conversation that can take place around those meals with your And that devotional won't take over five minutes. But if we can get Our families to start doing that, that's number one. The one thing that we're, the long term goal that we're looking for is for you and your children, whenever anybody thinks of you, they don't think of you as being a a mailman or a whatever. They think of you as a Christian who happens to be a mailman or someone who works at the mill or someone who works at the grocery store or whatever. We've never done that before. And you might be shocked to learn that neither has anybody else in all of Christianity in this country, as far as we know. Now, it isn't to say that that what we have done in the past is wrong. What it is saying in this day and age, with all the opposition to Christianity, and especially to the Bible, it isn't enough. What we have done in the past simply isn't enough in order to save our children when they go away to school or when they leave home the other thing that we have to do is we have to and this is a part of the program that we're putting together over a period of time the other thing that we have to do is anticipate the problems that our children will run into when they go to college, the attacks that they will receive, the doubts that will be created in their mind. We have to anticipate what they will be and then prepare the children to address them and not be intimidated by them when they go to school. So we've got a two-pronged attack here that we have to take. Just going to Sunday school and the Southern Baptist who through the years in my lifetime have had the best training program in all of Christianity uh, apart from Christian day schools. They had an excellent Sunday school program and and then at night they had what was called Baptist Training Union. And they trained better than anybody and in a recent poll put out by Lifeway, which is their publishing company, eight out of ten of their children were leaving the faith when they went to college if they didn't go to a christian school so we're saying that the problem is a crisis for the next generation of christianity and we're going to be held accountable if we don't attempt to do better and so what we're asking you to do is to help us to do better and and if you haven't had a devotional in your home start one and and i'm talking about making a commitment that it's the most important thing in your life and then we'll go from there the other thing that we're going to do it looks like here in probably next week is we're going to bring the coin thing back up here we're going to give away coin banks again for the specific purpose of fixing our parking lot We've already set aside a substantial amount of money, but with, it's going to cost us $11,500 to fix the parking lot so that the holes go away and it's re- taken care of and lined and all stay in proper condition. We've got damages over here that was caused by water. John said he knows more about that. i just pass along to you what I learned. Okay, that being said, let's look at the text. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. And we're saying that uh, they were given by God, by the finger of God. They were not something that Moses went up there and chiseled out of a piece of rock. They were something that God gave him to bring down to the people. And that fourth commandment is what we're looking for at today. The fourth commandment reads this way. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. And the word Sabbath and the word seventh is all the same word in the original language. So a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor daughter, nor your servants, or your maidservant. And get this, nor your animals, nor the aliens within your gate. For the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The word holy in the Hebrew may be a little different than than in the Greek. I don't know because I know about half a dozen words in Hebrew and that's it. But in Greek the word hagios means to set apart for a specific purpose. And the Old Testament was translated into Greek about 200 years before Christ in, in the city of Alexandria, northern, in, if we we're with the biggest library the, and learning center in that part of the world in northern Egypt, North, uh, western Egypt. And that word just means to set it apart, hagios, holy. When you hear the word holy, 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 that's exactly what it means, to set apart, you and I, once we become Christians, the Bible says, are holy unto the Lord. We've been set aside now not to do your own will, but the will of the one who purchased us on the cross, namely Jesus Christ. Now, so we're going to talk about that Sabbath day, that seventh day. And um, in the 23rd chapter of the book of Exodus, there's a little, uh, it's, it's, uh, more is said about it. In verse, I'm just going to read the verse 12, and then we'll go over to the 31st chapter. In, in uh, chapter 23, 12, it reads like this. Six days do your work, but on the Sabbath day do no work, or on the seventh day do no work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born to your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. Now, here's the point I'm going to start with and where I'm going to end up. God created man so that at least one out of every seventh days, he needed rest. God created the animals that, that are work animals. We, we never had a tractor on our farm. We had 127 acres. We had five and a half acres of tobacco. We raised about 20 acres of corn. We had some other. All was done by hand, except we hired someone to bale the hay. Other than that, it was all done by hand. Daddy said he needed three boys, they, and, and today the only time three boys come in handy is on the 15th of April when you ride them off for taxes. At that particular time, we were desperately needed to get the work done on the farm, and it was not always hard. It was sometimes enjoyable, but it, it had to be done, and we had a boss, and he held our feet to the fire. We had two horses, Uncle old Charlie and old Sam. And that he said they needed a day off just like we did, and uh, and and so those animals were were cared for and looked after, and and so the and that comes from scripture. Keep this in mind: no man, no woman, was ever created to work hard seven days a week. Every once in a while, those of us are a little greedy because there have been times when I have. You work seven days a week. And at times, that's acceptable. The scripture says if the ox is in the ditch, or if there's an exceptional situation, then there's justification for going ahead and doing it. And there's some times that... And and he doesn't say that it... and, And we'll get to that later on. Which day, but I'm telling you, all of us need a day's rest. And if you don't get a day's rest, over a period of time, there will be serious problems arise. And, and I'll not get into that until later. Now, in the 33rd chapter of the book of, of um, Exodus, starting at verse 12, there's, there's more expounding on the concept of the Sabbath. Here's the way that it reads. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths, and this is Plural. This will be a sign, he said, between me and you for generations to come. Now, what he's saying is, this is a sign between Israel and God for generations to come. So he's telling Moses, this is what you're to say to the people. This will be a sign between God and Israel for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you or set apart for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. So he took it rather seriously. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. In other words, it would be like in some churches they, uh, they excommunicate people. He was saying, you will be excommunicated. You will have to live outside the camp of the Israelites because they were camped on their way from Egypt to Israel for six days work is to be done but the seventh day is a is a Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant that a covenant is a testament or a sign or agreement between God and his people. It will be a sign, he says, between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. (coughs) Now, it needs to be said, (coughs) I did something stupid, I ate some popcorn. Get a husk in my throat and I start hacking like I'm a cigarette smoker. Now, God wasn't tired on Saturday. The Hebrew, I am told by scholars say, it just meant that he had finished his work. And since he had finished his work, he quit. The job was done. He wasn't tired. However, the man and the woman that he created and put over the garden said, you take care of it. Were individuals who who did get tired and needed to rest. God wasn't tired. Don't get that in your mind. Now then. So what he's saying is everything and everybody. He even said, he even started something that on the farm. I remember when the county agents would come and we would sit in on their meetings and they said, you know, they wanted us to to have what they call crop rotation this is in the Bible. This isn't anything new. He says that every seven years, a field that has been growing, let's say, wheat or barley, because barley was a big deal there for them in Israel, every seventh years, it needs to sit and rest. Now, it'll their wild stuff will grow up in it. There, There'll be that you haven't sowed, that'll come from the year past because you seeds drop in and stay put. And so there'll be some barley grow in that field, but you're not to harvest it. It's to be left there. And if poor people and widows and so on want to harvest that, they can, but you don't. Leave it there for... And then they had an interesting thing. ever ever seven years then, a crop they would have, uh, it would lie, as the scripture calls it, lie fallow, which means you don't, you don't harvest it. You don't sow. You don't reap. You don't harvest. And then there's an interesting thing. Every seven, okay, you're seven years, seven years, seven years, seven. Years. You get seven of them put together. Seven times seven is. England is there. Is there a math teacher here somewhere? Forty nine. Yes, yeah, right. And seven times seven is forty nine. And one more is. 50. The fiftieth year was called the year of Jubilee among those folks. And at the on the 49th year you were to the, the land was to lie fallow. And on the fiftieth year a year of Jubilee the land was to lie. So it actually had two years where and so what you would do? You would lay by in store so that on a Friday so that you had food for Saturday without having to cook it. And by the way, the Bible says this. That the, the women, and we'll see that in just a minute, in the 36th chapter. Because initially, only the men were inclined to take Saturday um, take the Sabbath off and sit around and twiddle their thumbs. Because in the Old Testament, on the Sabbath day, they were not required to assemble. They just could stay home and do nothing. In fact, uh, I should have brought uh, I, I have a list of what they could do among the Jews on the on the Sabbath day, because they should do no work. so the jew the rabbi sat down and said, "Okay, we need to define what's work. They could only walk so far, and they put together about fifty things that everybody had to go by of what they could or could not do uh, on on the Sabbath day. now, Actually, the Sabbath day was mentioned once before they came to Sinai, before they received the Ten Commandments at the hand of Moses. While they were on their way out of Egypt to Sinai, they ran out of food. And you remember the people grumbled and said, we need to go back where we could eat onions and food in, in Egypt, they would, and we need to go back to slavery. Really? Yeah, that's what they were among. You know, kill poor old Moses, get rid of him. And, 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 and God said to Moses, hey, don't worry about it. I'll just kill lamb. We'll keep you and we'll start all over again. And Moses said, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Let him live and let's see what we can do with him. And so then God, at, at night, early in the morning, gave some stuff from heaven that was like dew on the ground and they could go pick it up. It was called... What is it? Yeah, that's what it was called. The Hebrew word is manna, M-A-N-N-A. The word manna translated into English is, what is it? The people went out and saw all this stuff on the ground, and what did they ask? What is this stuff? And so, because, and so it became the question that they asked. And they were told, you only get enough to, to take care of you that day. It was called bread, the bread of heaven. Jesus later said he was the bread of heaven. But anyway, that's not the point here. It was, and he then on Friday, they were to gather enough to do them all day Saturday. Ordinarily, if you picked up enough to for two days, the next day it would be moldy. It wouldn't be fit to eat. But the Lord said. It won't happen to you on the Sabbath. It'll stay that way. And if you want to read that, uh, you can go back to the 16th chapter and there's uh, of the book of Exodus. And there's quite a bit here, really, uh, about manna coming from heaven. And And it's interesting that this is before the Ten Commandments were given now. Here in the 16th chapter, when they were given quail meat to eat... And, and bread, manna, or, or, uh, let's don't call it manna, let's just call it what is it. And that way you remember uh, what it is. It is, what is it? Now, that's clever, uh, you know, lighten up, listen to me, it's okay. So you, you and, 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 and here, before they got there, he was telling them, on the seventh day, don't go pick it up, it won't be there. Get enough on the day before. A few of them, like everybody else, were greedy. And, and, and on Tuesday, they got enough for Tuesday and Wednesday. But when they woke up on Wednesday morning, it was moldy and rotten and couldn't eat it. And so he, But he was saying then, it, it was actually had maggots in it. Now, this gets gross. I don't know if you know anything about maggots or not. I could tell you stuff. That, and, and it began to have odor to it. Dr. Rawlings went to the hospital uh, one day this week to see Daryl, and when I walked into the room, there was a strong odor of food. Now, ordinarily, that can be pretty good. But Daryl has a problem. Whenever there's a strong odor of food, he gets nauseous, and so he doesn't eat. So Dr. Rawlings said, why don't we fix this? Don't bring any food into the room that has an odor, for instance bring in jello dr Rawlings is really good at this kind of stuff you know and, and anyway and, and by the way he's begun eating jello and and uh, you know i won't take credit for anything but uh, you know <laughs> as humble as i am but but it, it's it's interesting to me how uh, how god deals with so much of this stuff with that we're just now finding out that he put in the bible and, and the people that are finding out today, they think they're smart. You know, no big deal. So they were in what was called the Desert of Sin uh, in, on the way from Egypt down to, to the base of Mount Sinai. And while they were on their way there, they, started, they ran out of food. They started complaining. So God provided what, I, what is it and, and quail meat for them to eat. But he said, don't do anything on Saturday. Saturday is a special day. He was letting them know ahead of time what they were going to run into when they got to, this, uh, to the Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments were giving. He said, let me read some of it because I think it's kind of interesting if you haven't. This is not the 16th chapter uh, where the, uh, the children of Israel were on their, war- on their way. It said, The evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? If you'd have been Hebrew, you would have said manna? Okay. For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person to have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who had gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little didn't have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep, it, uh, keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention. Dick Tracy. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. And Moses got ticked off at them, So each, and it, it went from there. So he, he said, Each morning everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of rest. The emphasis of what I'm saying this evening is a four-letter word, and it's not dirty. It's the word rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. This is before Sinai. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it didn't stink and get maggots in it. That's on the seventh day. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless... Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why the sixth day you're to give the bread, you're to give, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is, is to say, stay where he is on the Sabbath, no one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. <coughs> So what he was really doing is he was letting them know ahead of time, by example, what they were going to run into when they finally got to the base of Mount Sinai or the mountain called Mount Horeb, which was a holy mountain. So it's interesting when you, when you study the New Testament and you study the Old Testament that what we learn about the Sabbath is, is very helpful. Now let me let's go on. So the purp. Let's go from the origin of the Sabbath to the purpose of the Sabbath. One purpose we've already mentioned. It is a day of rest. It is not a day of recreation. They weren't even to leave the house. Some people are so tired on the on the, on at the end of a of, of six days hard work that they probably shouldn't get out of bed all day. I'm telling you. It takes its toll on people. I know of people who have divorced because they were so tired they were grumpy and couldn't get along with each other. It is it is, it is a, a serious matter to take what the Lord who created us said is necessary for us to have a healthy, prosperous life. Now, if you look carefully, if we go on over into Leviticus, you will find uh, that... that In the 25th chapter of Leviticus, he says, really, the entirety of creation needs rest. It was created in that manner that periodically it needed some rest. Listen to these first five verses. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai. They're at Mount Sinai now. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of of itself, of the harvest, the grapes, uh, of your untended vines, the land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your man servant, and your maid servant, and and hired worker, and temporary residents who live among you, as well as for the livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may may be eaten. And and in these talks, he says, then count off seven Sabbaths of the years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a total of 49 years. You would have known that had you read your text. They gave the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th of the seventh month so that the Day of Atonement could be trumpeted throughout the land. And he goes on and says, and consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land of all its inhabitants. It shall be a year of jubilee for you. And then he goes ahead and says what, well, if 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 I owed uh, you uh, $10,000 on the year of Jubilee, that 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 debt would be forgiven and I don't have to pay you back. So everybody started off new at the year of Jubilee every year. There were crooks that were then as now. They would try to borrow money on year 48 <laughs> so that they wouldn't have to give it back two years later. There have always been con artists among Jews and everybody else. Now, it is important to at least put this in here. It is also, God has also said that a man should work and work hard. And for Christians, we're told that we should do work in an exceptional manner. And I'll get to that in just a minute. Christians should have the reputation of being exceptionally good workers and not complainers and bellyachers all the time. Oh, you don't like your boss? Well, give him your check back. (laughs) Yeah, right. He's saying to us, that's not, as Christians... Our primary responsibility is to do our work so that God is honored by what we do. It got so bad among Christian people that in Thessalonica, a city in Greece... That a bunch of people were saying, well, we think the Lord's going to come tomorrow. And they would go out on the hillside and look up and pray and have other people to feed them. And the apostle Paul said, this is the rule I'm giving you for those turkeys. If they don't work, they don't eat. Let them starve, they'll go back to work. So he was saying he expects us to work, and not just work and put in our time, but do it in such a manner that people will refer to us as Christian people whose very work they do honors the Lord. And we need to understand that. Now, let's talk about that Sabbath day for a minute and its purpose. Its purpose was essentially national, not universal. It was primarily a covenant between the nation of Israel and God. You need to understand that. The, 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 sev- the, the observance of the seventh day as a day of rest was between Israel and God, and not everybody else. We'll see why that's important in just a minute. And, and, and twice I read that for you in the text that we have. This will be a sign, a covenant between Israel and God. It isn't between Christianity and God. There's a difference there. Now, we need to speak up here. I had mentioned to you earlier, and a lot of people, and boy, time's getting away from me. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier that initially women who were viewed as possessions and not equal to men in all of israel women were possessions and therefore the sabbath of rest was something that they kind of ignored for slaves and for women and so god stepped in and made an exception he said that ain't gonna fly and here in verse In verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 35 in the book of Exodus, here's the way he did it. He didn't say, women, you don't have to work either. He put it this way. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days... Work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it must be put to death. And he put this verse in for the women. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Women, you can't cook. You're off of the hook. You don't cook. Because if he hadn't said that, and you know what some of those clever Jews did? They hired an Israelite to come in and build a fire and try to make their wife cook. I mean, there's always been religious con artists. We find, try to find ways to get around what God has said and make excuses. And the result is what we have today in our culture. It ain't what it ought to be, like the old gray mare. Now then, let's keep on moving here. In the New Testament, Jesus commented on the Sabbath. He called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And but he in in Mark, the second chapter of Mark, we touched this when we were preaching from Mark, on the second chapter and I, in verse twenty two to twenty seven it is turns out to be here. Okay, this is what he said, and I'm just going to do the, the, the single verse well, the two verses here twenty seven and twenty eight in Mark two. The Sabbath, Jesus said, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, and then he goes on to say, And the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. He helped institute it. So he was saying, look, this has been set apart, made holy, provided for you because you need that amount of rest. Some of us get so wound up, and making money, and doing this, and running there, and running here, that we can't even sit down and rest. Some people have difficulty doing nothing. But the body was created to rest. And it's God it and it's a good thing. Jesus himself observed the Sabbath. When you go over into the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 6, here's what it says. And he said to them, I will give you all authority in heaven. Uh, where am I? I just missed it here. Sorry. Let me go down here. And he said to them, yeah, where's my light? Uh, anyway, I, I can't even see it. But anyway, it's, uh, that's the wrong that's the wrong." Place at the wrong time come on Scott it's the 6th chapter here we go even though that says 4 it's wrong when Jesus is talking here it says and on another sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching Jesus himself observed the sabbath because he was flesh and blood God, yes, but limited by the flesh, he needed a Sabbath rest too. And more than, and I can give you at least four other instances when Jesus got away from all of the people, went across the Sea of Galilee so he could rest. Everybody needs rest. Jesus also said here in verse 9, the sixth chapter, verse 9, he says that. Uh, that it's lawful to do good on the sabbath on the sabbath day there are times when he would actually he healed on the sabbath he did some things on the sabbath and he said "Now, hey look guys it's not wrong to help people on the sabbath if they need help so he made exceptions but he justified it by saying hey i made the rule i can break it if i want to you and i didn't make it now Now that that's done, and we've got about 12 minutes to go here, let's go to point three. And I know I'm hurrying a little bit, but that's okay. Let's go now from the Sabbath, which means what? Can you see? Sabbath means? Sabbath means? Seven. All right. We're going from the Sabbath to what some of the early writers call the eighth day, which really is Sunday. The early Christians had difficulty with these terms like we're talking. Sunday is a day that they worship the S-U-N, not S-O-N. Monday was called Moon Day, was the day when the pagans worshiped the moon. And so there are lots of places like that I could go through and show how many of them uh, worship the stars and the moon, and, and we don't have time to dwell on that. Now, here's something you need to get straight in your mind. The New Testament, the New Testament, the New Testament church is not a remake of Israel. It is, (coughs) excuse me, it is a totally new thing. In one instance in the New Testament, it kind of says that it, it, it kind of indicates it's the new Israel only to the extent that it is that Israel as a nation has been set apart because they refuse to accept Jesus, and He's doing something totally new. Do you remember the the parable that Jesus told of the wineskins? skins? He said you don't put new wine in old wineskins because then when it ferments it'll just burst it and make a mess. I could tell you an interesting story and I have to do it in a hurry but it's kinda cute. My grandpa and grandma, my grandmother was from the Oklahoma Indian Territory. Years after they were married and their kids were pretty well grown, grandpa and grandma got enough money to go back to visit some of her people in Oklahoma. While they were gone Uncle Alvin and Uncle James and my dad and some others made homebrew and put it in the basement. They didn't have they didn't have refrigerators, but they they then they had a place down in the ground they called a cellar where that they, it stayed cooler. And they made the homebrew and they put it down in there so that it would ferment for them to do whatever they do. Grandpa and Grandma came home a few days earlier than anticipated, and that that uh, home brew they didn't get a too good a scald on, but they were trying to get down to the basement to get it out and to move it, and the bottle started exploding. Sounded like hand grenades. I won't go into what, I don't know what the results were as far as discipline was concerned, but it became a problem. I can only say to you, I would be, you would be wise not to make homebrew. Now, but so that's, and Jesus was using that illustration. And the reason he did that is he's saying, you don't do that. You don't put a new piece of cloth on old cloth when it shrinks, because it wasn't like ours today. It would shrink, it would just tear it loose. No, he's saying what we're doing is we're doing a totally new thing here because what we're doing here is so new that we're going to lay aside (coughs) the old covenant. It is there only for historical reference. It is there to look back to and learn from what was there. But what we're doing is a new covenant. And you read carefully New Covenant, New Testament, totally new thing. You're saved by grace, not by obeying the law. You're saved by the work Jesus did on the cross. And if he gives you salvation, you don't earn it. In the Old Testament, you had to earn everything. And so he's saying, not only that, but we're the the most important thing that, that absolutely guarantees that Jesus is God in the flesh is that he died and was raised again. And so we're going to celebrate a day of rest and a day of that is totally different in the New Testament on the first day of the week because the Sabbath day is not all nine, all nine of the other Ten Commandments are mentioned in the, and taught in the New Testament, but the Sabbath day is not. And so... It has been laid aside and been replaced with a new day. And on this new day, the day of the resurrection, the day when God, uh, Jesus was vindicated as God in the flesh, as Jesus was, was guaranteed that he was who he claimed to be. And, and it's very interesting. <coughs> the New Testament is very clear about these things when you have enough time to study them and take them seriously. The book of Hebrews does more to deal with this than any because among the Jewish people, worshiping on the first day of the week was a real struggle for them and, and they, when they were converted to Christianity. Now, for the, for the Gentiles, no big deal for them. They just didn't want to go on the Sabbath because they didn't like the Jews very well anyway. But here in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> verse 25, here's the way that it reads... He says, let us, start at verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day of Christ coming back, getting closer. Now, what he's saying here in the Old Testament on the Sabbath day they were not required to assemble. Here, he is saying, for Christians, because you're doing something totally new, on the first day of the week, you are to assemble. You're to get together. That's why you're here. <coughs> now, it also says in Acts 2.42, when when the, and these were primarily Jews from all over the Mediterranean world. Peter had preached the first gospel sermon. And then when he finished preaching, somebody popped up and said, Hey, now that we've heard what you've said, what do you expect us to do? And he told them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit too. And then he said, And you're to continue doing some things. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. When you get together... You're to assemble together and these are the things that you're to do. That's why we have communion every week. That breaking of bread refers to communion and praying together and and encouraging one another and so on and so forth. Now then, you go over to the 20th chapter of the book of Acts and, and, and that's an interesting situation. The only thing you'll remember ahead of time is in that 20th chapter, the apostle Paul is preaching to people at Troas and he preached until midnight so I let you suckers off really easy he preached until midnight and some and it was in a room with a second story and was hot up there they didn't have air conditioning like you all do and a guy named Eutychus fell out the window and broke his neck and and it and so at least I haven't had that to happen yet so but the point is it was on the first day of the week here in the 20th chapter Verse 7, it reads like this. And on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. That's take communion. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was uh, sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. You know, William sleeps for me every week, but, but this is Eutychus. And when he was in a sound sleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead, and Paul went down and did a little resuscitation thing, and he lived. But the point was that he, what did he do on the first day of the week? They were having communion, and Paul was preaching. We we are what we refer to as a New Testament church. We're not bound by the Old Testament laws. In the Old Testament laws... They not only had what was there in the Bible, but but uh, <clears throat> the the Jewish leaders got together, the rabbis, and and printed a commentary, and it and in that commentary it defined all. It tell how far you can walk on the Sabbath, it how much you could carry on what def, they defined work. I mean, it was a list of dos and don'ts that long, and so that was all laid aside you're not saved and and the apostle paul said hey there wasn't anything wrong with that it accomplished its purpose it got jesus here but now we're under the authority of the bible and jesus christ and we only need one authority there shouldn't, there sh- if we just had one authority, there probably wouldn't be so many of these cockeyed denominations, which is a testimony to the world that we don't get along very well with each other. On, the th- on this first day of the week, if you go to the 16th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, they collected money. It was primarily for it to help people because they didn't have church buildings to support. They didn't have to have insurance. They didn't have to repair a parking lot. They didn't have buildings. They met in people's homes. And so the money they collected was to help people. God help us when buildings become more important than people. But that can happen at times. Now, then Jesus said Christians can do good on the first day of the week. We shouldn't fuss, though, about which day we set apart. For rest and worship. In, if you were to go to, say, Bangladesh, which is a a, uh, a Muslim country, the Muslims said, "Look, any worship that's done here has to be done on on Friday." So Christians change their day, and they 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 recognize Friday, even though they prefer the first day of the week, and 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 rather than to uh, get their throat cut. So I I can understand that. So I'm not going to fuss with them for doing that. Now, the the Bible actually tells us we shouldn't fuss about those things. If you go over into the book of Romans, the 14th chapter, there's an interesting thing there in the the 14th chapter, verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. One man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. That's kind of where I am. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord. He who gives thanks to God and he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Let none of us, uh, for none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. He said, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that the uh, Lord might be uh, the Lord of both the living and the dead. Now, what he's saying here is, is the Jews were still at the early church. They still were, were going to the temple to worship. But later when the Gentiles started coming in, they had a big fight. Do we have to become Jews and obey the law before we can become Christians? Should we have circumcised people before uh, they're they're baptized? And he said, no, that's all in the past. means nothing. We're no longer under that. We're under now Christ. And we should only have, and I've argued for this all of my life. Now, there are lots of good people who don't agree with me, but I, I wish they would. There should only be one authority for the church. Just one. Creeds were written a long time ago when people couldn't read and write and they had a good purpose. We don't need creeds anymore. Creed, there are several different creeds and several different things and it's the Bible plus those things. They should be swept under the rug, used as historical documents, but we should only be bound by the Word of God. Only the Word of God. Only the Word of God. We become a New Testament church when the New Testament is our single authority for faith and practice for the church. That's, and so that's very really important the other thing that I leave you with and then we pray and run is this I don't care who you are and I don't care how strong you are you can go down to one of these gyms and press 400 pounds I can press two biscuits as easy as you can press 400 pounds and I'm probably live longer than you will so I don't pay any attention to that kind of nonsense it's fine go do it if you want to pay for it I'll eat my biscuits and pay for them but Jesus said, All of us, regardless of how big and strong and that are, need a day of rest. We still need, under the new covenant, a day of rest. Jesus commented on it when he said, come, into, come unto me, all you who labor in the 11th chapter and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest in your soul. So Jesus is advocating this. We need Spiritual rest from all of the pressures that people put on us. We need physical rest from the labors that we're under. Most of our work is not physical. Most of it anymore is mental. And we need rest. And so Jesus is trying to say to them, you know, do it my way and you'll be better off. Do it my way, and you'll be better off. Receive me, he said, and get some spiritual rest in your soul. God help us how we need it. Okay, I'm done. Let's pray. Lord, bless this bunch of folks who've been patient with me. Help us to make up our mind to do things your way. Give us the courage to set apart some time for physical and emotional and spiritual rest and time of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Give us the courage, Father, to do it your way so you'll be honored and we'll be blessed. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.